I was worried about what time I was going to get home last night. And then I was coming up uh, 77 to get on 81 around Withful. And all of a sudden the traffic came to a dead stop. And at first I sat there and all I could think about was myself. <laughs> and I thought, well, this is just great. Now I'm going to be even later getting home. And then I realized there might be somebody up ahead of me that went up already. Mm. All of a sudden, sitting in the traffic wasn't so bad. And then I, we sat there about a half hour, and then when the traffic started to move again, when I finally was able to move, I realized and saw that there was four or five different vehicles involved, and they were scattered everywhere, mm. and they were only four cars in front of me. Which means that five seconds less at the truck stop, and I was in the middle of it. All of a sudden, it, you know, things like that, I got a way of bringing things in perspective. Mm -hmm. Then I was thinking last night, you know, I'm not a spring chicken no more. But I don't care. I want it to be spent. I think it would be a dangerous thing to show up in front of God with a half a tank of gas. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do my best across that finish line with no tank in the gas, come across the sideways, a couple flat tires, a couple dents in the car, maybe a busted wind windshield. There used to be a song for a muffler guy up in Rockford where I was raised. Rattle, rattle, thunder, clatter, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> I saw the picture of this cartoon car sliding into the garage. That's the way I want to show up. Because I owe a debt I can't pay. Never going to be able to pay that back. Uh-uh. No. We can do something for God every day for the rest of our life. We never even get close to paying back what He's already done for us. Amen. And he's not done yet. Amen. He's not done. He's done with the cross, but he's not done doing things in our lives. Right. I want to give you this before I get started. I got a verse percolating in me, and it's changed my life. It's just happened in the last couple days. And I haven't wrapped myself around it yet, but I'm going to. This will change your life if you can let this sink in. John 15 and 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me, that's backwards the way modern Christianity thinks. We focus on him living in us. Jesus said, if you live in me, okay, I gotta figure that out. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, abide in you. How does that work? That means they're there on Monday when you're at work and nobody else from church is around. That means they're how you make your decisions in your day-to-day -day life by the Word of God that you're in you. And you can't get no Word in you if you don't read. Yeah. 
if you bite me and my words are biting you, and here's the most awesome thing, and I'm gonna, you guys, I'm gonna wear this one out. He said, if you bite me and my words are biting you, you shall ask what you will. And then he said, he didn't say it, it'll be done for you. This is awesome. He said, you can ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. What? Unto you. So man, I'm going to do my best to abide in Him and get this Word to abide in me because I will that I don't suffer from neuropathy anymore and I wouldn't mind getting that done to me. I wouldn't mind God doing some stuff to me. Amen. That's right. And I got a promise from Him that if I will abide in Him and get His Word to abide in me, He'll do something to me. Amen. Yes, sir. That's an awesome promise you got from God yourself right now. What do you need Him to do to you? Not for you, to you. To you. Huh. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. It was there I faith I received my sight, and now I am happy all the day. Will alas and plead, my Savior plead, and did my sovereign die? Would He devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Yes, He did. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the Here, Lord, I give myself 
situation is, once you take your Abby or whoever that person is, that friend you ask prayer for yeah. today, Mark, uh, uh, that that week you girls are going to be gone to Ohio while we sing this about our God reigns, what that means is, is that He is the boss. Amen. Uh -huh. Amen. That's what that means when we say our God reigns. That means that He is all powerful and He has all power over everything. That's right. Yes. Amen. Yes. So when we sing this again and we sing Our God Reigns, what you're going to do is you're going to take that person or that situation that's on your heart and you're going to tell them Our God Reigns. Amen. And watch it change. You hear me? And say watch it might change. I don't wear a mask when I preach. Watch it change. Our God brings, our God brings, our God brings, our God. 
He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Here's a promise now. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. He's coming back. Can I speak this over my children and grandchildren? Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God reigns. Our God on Teresa's life, God. Reign in all of Stacy's friends' lives, God. Reign in Abby's, both Abby's lives, God. Reign in Briley's life, God. Reign in John's life in Ohio, Father. Reign in Mark and Pepsi's lives, God. Lord, bless your name. Bless your name. Boy, that's nice to be able to say that in worship service. Mm. Some churches, preacher, the worship leader, never have to say that. Because nobody ever, ever gets unseated. Mm. I don't care how you do it, just do it. I bet some people be sitting down their eyes closed and you think they're sleeping. Then you make the mistake of walking, getting a little too close to them, you feel something over there. Whoa! <laughs> I didn't know! <laughs> it don't matter how you do it. Just do it. You can help me today, young lady? You are? Okay, why don't you come up, brother? You gonna pray over today? You gonna pray over too? Oh, yeah. <coughs> <laughs> she thought about it a minute. Last week, you was like, eh, nope. Ready? See your hand. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for this week. Lord, we thank you, God, just for being able to come together. Thank you that it's so nice to be friends with the people you go to church with. <laughs> it's so nice to be family. Thank you for our family. We ask you today, God, just to bless the tithe and offering, Father. 
and, and let it do whatever it is you intend for it to do. Yes. And everybody said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Sunday this week, uh, and I just to serve you notice, if we are ever in a building that we control when it's open, I'm the kind of pastor that don't cancel service so you can stay home and celebrate the, the Savior we didn't worship that day came. Right. <laughs> when we had midweek Bible study on Thursday up in Illinois, we had service Thursday night on Thanksgiving. Right. And I told Kitty when we did it, I said, I never heard him doing that before. And I thought, ain't that a shame? <laughs> I'm going to be so thankful today, I ain't going to have time to go to the house of God and thank him for being thankful. Right. <laughs> okay. Okay. I told her, I said, it might just be you and me there. And our first Thanksgiving, we were in still living 27 miles away, whatever it was, and still having service in the basement of the banquet hall. I told her, it might just be you and me. At the time, we just started. It was the month we just started, so we only had 11 people. And we got there, and that night, we had like 72 people. Amen. I don't know where all these people came from. Wow. And then I found out later where they all came from. They came from other churches. And when they found out there was a church that would actually stay open on Thanksgiving, they said, well, about time. Yes. And I thought, well, okay, it ain't just me. Because <laughs> a lot of times stuff don't, never mind, I can make that easy for you. <laughs> just say a lot of times it is just me, but if 80 would pile on starting a lorry. So. <laughs> but this Sunday, uh, because we don't, they, they're, they're going to be closed, um, we won't be having service. Um, we will have our midweek service. They're also closed on New Year's Day. Um, I had considered having a, a Friday night one. But see, here's one thing I don't want to do either. I don't want to have a service just so we can say we had a service. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. I mean, if we have a Wednesday night, and you know me, man, I talk about the Bible every night of the week. I mean, it ain't a problem. But I don't want to have a midweek Bible study and then say, okay, guys, we're all going to get together Friday night too because we're not having Sunday just so we can say we had a service because then that just sounds religious to me. Mm. Yes, yes. Right? Yes. Having said that, I don't know that we won't. We'll see what God says and like always, we'll all try to do our best to do whatever He tells us to do, right? Amen. Um, so, having said that, we, we'll have a midweek service this week and we'll figure it out. Um, God is, is revealing something to me 
teaching me something that's right there plain in the Bible. Uh, and I want to give you this and then, then I have I have a word to share with you. Um, <clears throat> uh, I went to uh, Maiden in North Carolina with Pastor Roberts on Friday. And we had prayer that night, just me and him. And we got to talking, and we realized that between the two of us, we have over 70 years in the faith. Amen. That's a lifespan. That's what the Bible says. If you, you get 70 years, you're blessed. You get more than that, it's a gift. And it stunned us when we realized between the two of us, we had a lifetime of experience in the faith. It didn't make us feel happy. It convicted the daylights out of us. Mm. What, do you, what have you done with that lifetime? Oh, God. But the thing that caused that to stand out to us was that God has been dealing with me and trying to teach me about what the Scripture refers to as a solemn assembly and sackcloth and ashes. And there are times where God in the Bible, if you read, God called His people to have a solemn assembly. What is a solemn assembly? Well, it certainly ain't the kind we have. And I'm glad for that, man. I've been in churches where you look around, it's like, man, okay, them people don't like those people, those people don't like none, and none of them like me. This is going to be a rough day. Okay, you ain't been there. I have. To our services, everybody's talking, laughing. I'm glad. That's what family does, man. I, I love it. But a solemn assembly means it's sober and it's serious. That means when we come in the door, we're not asking our brother how you been this week or how you doing, and we ain't talking about the events of the past week. We've come together for a very serious time, and we've come together. See, in a normal service, we come together and, and we reflect to God what we are in God and what God is in us. You follow me? That's what a normal service is. That's why we, we celebrate our victory in God. We celebrate who we are in God. We celebrate we've got our foot on the devil's neck and we ain't going to hell. So normally we celebrate what we are in God and what God is in us. But a solemn assembly is when the people of God are called together by God to come together and reflect what we are without God. Which is nothing. Which is lost. In the 70 years that Pastor Roberts and I have been in this faith, we have never once heard of anyone anywhere hosting a solemn assembly. And there is no way in the world God has never called for it. Not when you start to learn the reasons God does call for it. It's in the Scripture. And I'll teach on it. You won't have to dig it all out yourself, but I'd advise you to get a head start because we're going to dig. And then sackcloth and ashes. I ain't never been one. I ain't never seen a flyer. I've seen Holy Ghost flyers. Praise God, we're going to have a healing service. And hey, all right, I'll take it. Praise God, we're going to have a deliverance. Okay, I like it. I'll take it. I'm in if I can get there, baby. But I ain't never seen a flyer come around saying we're going to have a sackcloth and ashes, sir. A what? There ain't no way in the generation we live in and in the society we live in today that God has not called His people to come together in the spirit of sackcloth and ashes. And what sackcloth is, man, you put that sackcloth in, it's like wearing a potato sack. It rubs your skin wrong. It makes you uncomfortable. It's why John the Baptist wore the clothes he did with the camel's hair. It was to make him constantly uncomfortable. The reason God wants us like that is how and why should the church be comfortable 
with the condition that the nation we live right. in is in. Right. Sometimes you have to do things like that sackcloth that you can't be comfortable. And when you're uncomfortable like that and it irritates you, then it reminds you that God's not comfortable with this either. And I shouldn't be either. But yeah. we can become comfortable. No. And we should not be. No. So, last night I ministered there and that's why it was on. And if you're a glutton for punishment, you can look it up. It was shared to my, to my Facebook page. Unsolicited. I guess they figured if they had to suffer, I would too. <laughs> but we're going to be teaching on that pretty soon. And, and, and here's one thing too about something like that. If you don't want to come, don't. You ever hear a preacher say that? And I'm not being mean. I mean, I'll miss you. But if you don't want to be a part of something like that after I teach about it, I don't want you to be a part of it either. Neither does God. If something is going to heal our nation, it's going to be a church in sackcloth and ashes. It's going to be a church that every now and then has a solemn assembly. Amen. It takes a broken church to heal a broken nation. And the American Christian church is anything but broke. It ain't broke no matter how you want to define the word. We have to become broken. Not by the devil, but broken by God. And I ask you to remember when you were a brand new baby in Jesus, how you stayed broken all the time over your family that wasn't in God yet. And how you stayed broken all the time over your friends that you knew were lost. And what happens is you can't stay in a constant state of being broken. You can't do it. It overwhelms you. It overwhelms the senses. And it messes you up. And you won't walk right and talk right. It's not healthy, quite frankly, to stay that way all the time. So what we do is we learn to, to, to grow calluses over our hearts so we can deal with the fact that the lady I've worked next to all day for 10 years is lost. And the only way I can deal with that, I can't sit here and think about that all day. It'll drive me crazy. So I have to grow calluses over my heart. And I'll pray for her. And I know she's lost. And I'll invite her to a special service. But I've not been broken over that lady in a long, yes. long, long time. Yes. And an unbroken church cannot heal a broken nation. Uh, and you're looking at a pastor that has not been completely broken in a long time. I don't put on airs in front of nobody, man. I, I don't stand up there and say, You ought to be broke like me. I'm not broken. But I'm going to be, because I remember what it is to weep over things that you knew God was weeping over. Somewhere along the line, I allowed myself to grow calluses to protect me from that. And what I didn't realize at the time was I might have been protecting my heart, but I was writing theirs off. I'm done with that. My desire for this year, for 2023, for me, is God break me. I want to be broken again, man. I don't want to just pray over your children that aren't living for God. I want to pray over them and weep over them. And if I can't do that, what am I doing? Believe it or not, it ends up encouraging. It really does. God looks at a broken church and says, I can use you for anything. Amen. 
God will look at a broken church and say, not only am I going to bring Abby in, I'm going to bring that bad influence in too, and she's going to wind up to be a good influence and drag Abby to church when she don't want to come. That's what God does with broken churches. We've seen it. When you do in-reach, you don't need outreach. I got to stop. I got to stop. Because if I don't stop, I'm going to get broken right here. And I really, I got something I want to share with you today. I really do, man. This is burning in me to share with you. We're going to have fun. I can have fun. Right. Matthew chapter 2. Would you please stand with me just for a minute? Just for a minute, I promise. I love them sparkles on them tennis shoes, Olive. <laughs> Them's cool. See the dress? Ah, yes. yeah. <laughs> you look pretty today. Don't break my table today, will you? <laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Matthew chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east. Man, these some devil-worshiping people. They come from voodoo country, from Buddhist country, from Muslim country. There came wise men from the east to Jerusalem saying, where is he at? Where is he that's born king of the Jews? We have seen his star in the east. We saw a star way back there. Where's he at, y'all? Come on, where you got him? Come on. You've had him for two years. It's our turn. Where is he? We're come to worship him. When Herod the king heard these things, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him. The devil was upset and so was the church. I'm going to throw this at you and we'll get back to this here in a couple minutes. But when you look for Jesus, just Jesus, just pure Jesus, not your mama's Jesus, not your, your denomination's Jesus, not your family religion Jesus, your Jesus, when you look for Him and ask Him to teach you of Him, by the book and nothing else, you will upset the devil and the church world. And when Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. Well, I can tell you where he should be, but he's looking for where he was. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea. In other words, right here, man. For thus it's written by the prophet, And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the princes of Judah. For out of thee shall come a governor, capital G, that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he privily called the wise men, see the wise men came, Herod heard what they was looking for, then he called the church, and then he found out what the information, the knowledge from the church, he sent the church away, and then he called the wise men back. He never let the two connect. Mm. And he inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. What time the star appeared. You can be seated today. 
And I'm going to give this today in the form of a question. And man, I'll be glad to get this out of me. Does the church today know what time it is? Does the church today know what time it is? An unbroken church don't. I'm done. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east. It don't mean they were on the east side of Jerusalem. They came from an eastern nation. And we find out later they've been traveling two years. Those nativity scenes that show the wise men at the manger, when the wise men finally find Jesus, he's in a house and he's two years old. He had been there two years already. The whole time these wise men, they saw the star in the east and they followed it. That star moved. The wise men knew what time it was. These people outside of the church knew what time it was. And there are people among us that don't ever go to church, don't pretend to, never say the name of Jesus unless they hit their finger with a hammer, and they're starting to realize what time it is. They're starting to ask questions about things they have no idea what the meanings are. Heathen people are asking about the false prophet. They're asking about the mark of the beast. The heathen among us are starting to realize what time it is. <clears throat> when a church shuts down service because they might get sick, when they preach for years, the Jesus they serve as a healer, that church don't know what time it is. When men in pulpits declare to their congregation Sunday after Sunday after Sunday for years that we're not here for us, we're here for the lost. We're here for our city that don't know God. And then when that same pastor gets afraid his people might get sick, and shuts down the building and doesn't hold service, he's proving he lied. That church is just for the church people. It ain't for anybody in that city because if it was, he'd tell the church people, if you're afraid you're going to get sick, stay home if you have to. That's up to you. But I'm going to be in the pulpit on Sunday morning and the lights are going to be on and the door's going to be open. And if you read in the paper, I got arrested, please don't think too ill of me. But somebody out there might come looking for God finally, yes. and when they do, they need to find the church open. Right. Yes. Amen. Does the church know what time it is? Imagine traveling for two years. Two years, man. Dude, they wanted in. They didn't have a butt warmer in their car like I got in my Honda. I don't feel sorry for myself when I gotta drive hours and hours and hours to get somewhere. I got a little dial on the dash. If I want to be warmer, I move it that way. If I want to be cooler, I move it this way. If I want to feel warm and tusty, I hit a little button on there and my seat warms. Ooh. Pray for me, y'all. 
Imagine tra- spending two years traveling. You ain't in a Honda. You're on a camel. And you're staying outside when there ain't no towns. When it's cold. When it's raining. When it's 100 degrees in the desert. Two years. And all you know is there's a king that's born. And God saw fit to let us see that star. And I want to see this king. So these wise men for two years travel. And they get all the way to God's city. And they know if heathen men like us know the king is born. Can you imagine for two years on the way every night they're saying, man, this is a rugged trip and I wish you didn't have to make this. But boy, when we get to Jerusalem, don't you know it's going to be party time, man. When we get there, they're going to be celebrating the king. And these people know how to do it. They're not from the east where we're from. This is God's city. This is God's chosen people. So they're going to know how to worship Him. They're going to be in the middle of worshiping Him. And when we get there, we're going to be lucky to get to see Him at all because God's people are going to be all over Him. When they get to the edge of the city and they see the lights in the distance and the excitement builds and all of a sudden they're not quite as tired and so they see someone leaving Jerusalem on the same road, you know. And they say, hey man, what do you look like? What who look like? Hey man, how long's the line? What, what line? Come on. They get in, they're thinking, oh, that guy don't know nothing. He just don't know. He's a heathen. He don't love God. That's not one of God's people. And if you don't know, it can't be any of God's real people. And then he gets to God's hand-picked city among God's hand-chosen people, and they start asking, where is he that's born the king of the Jews? In other words, where's your king? He's talking to Jews. Where is your king? We've been looking for him for years. How many times have people come in to a building with a steeple on it and a shingle out the front door and there's cars in the parking lot and they've been looking for this king for years and they come in and they say, where is he? They stand when everybody else does and they sit when everybody else does and they put their money in when everybody else does and they listen to the speech when everybody else does and they stand at the end when everybody else does and they hear the preacher say you're dismissed in the name of Jesus and they're still standing there saying, where is he? Oh, man, you guys sing pretty. And that moved me. I mean, it did. It touched my heart. I really felt something right there, but... Where is he? And oh man, preacher, that was a great, I mean, that was motivating, man. I feel like I'm in charge and I'm large now, but where is he? And he's traveled two years and they get to Jerusalem saying, it doesn't say, and then they said one time, saying over and over, Where is he? Where is he? Where's your king? We saw a star. 
We know he's here and we've come to worship and where's he at? And nobody knows. Oh, we got a king. His name's Herod. Oh, we got a king, but we call him pastor. You can tell who he is. He's got a parking spot by the door. Somebody carries his Bible. We have a past appreciation month. We roll out the red carpet and give him a lot of money. You can tell who he is. He's a guy with a car. Costs more than people's houses in the church city pastors. You can tell who the king is. Nobody knows anything about this king these people are looking for. But I want to ask you this. All the way from the east, you're two years away. We think in miles. These people think in years traveling. You're two years away. You see this star. You know what it is. God gives you the understanding of what that star means. You pack up and you start moving. And every night the star's moved a little. And you catch up and you get underneath that thing. And then you stop. And you wake up the next day and the star's moved again. And you follow it all that way. And you get all the way to the city where that king is supposed to be. And nobody there knows what you're talking about. People need deliverance. And they walk into churches. And some churches don't know what they're talking about. Some people need miracles. And they walk in some churches. And some churches don't know what they're talking about. And they'll tell them, you don't know what you're talking about. God don't give miracles no more. God don't heal no more. God don't deliver no more. You just got to believe in Him and you'll be okay when you die. And these people are saying, that ain't the Jesus I've seen. I need the Jesus I've seen and heard about. And then the one, the only king, anybody there in the God city knows about, Herod, when he heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. These people come looking for Jesus. And not only is the devil, Herod, upset, so is the church. I'm going to tell you right now, you want to know the best way to make some churches mad? Start asking questions. You're reading this book right here. Don't do it snotty. Don't do it sarcastic. And don't do it like, I heard what you said and you're wrong because this says that. You're starting to fight when you do that. Yeah. All you got to do in some places is just say, hey man, look, I don't understand this. And you said, if I have any questions, I can come to you. And I just read this right here. These signs shall follow them that believe. And I'm confused because that's Jesus said that right here. But you've told me that those signs don't follow anybody anymore. I, I just need a little help today. When you start looking for the Jesus of the Bible, you will make the devil and the church upset. Yeah. Herod's troubled in all Jerusalem with him. And look what he does. He calls the church for a meeting. Chief priests and scribes of the people. Not chief priests and scribes of God. Notice the wording. There's a lot of people that are men of God. And there's a lot of people that are men of the people. Yeah. And they're called men of God, and God don't know nothing about them. Yeah. They don't know nothing about God either. Yeah. I'm not being mean. I'm just stating a fact in the society that we live in today. 
True. So Herod hears about this and all Herod's worried about is his throne. Because don't you know, when somebody puts Jesus on the throne in their life, ain't nobody else going to have their allegiance greater than him. We can't have that. You start being faithful to Jesus over me and I'm going to have a problem with you because you're not going to do things I tell you just because I told you and I'm the pastor. You're going to start saying, but Jesus said, but, 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 but. We can't have that, Lori. Herod says, man, I ain't having no other king but me. I like being in this seat of power right here. That's what happens when truth visits some pulpits. And they realize if we're going to have God in everything He promised for everybody, then we're going to have to have God in His pulpit. That means I must decrease, you know the Scripture, so He can increase. And when you get used to living on top and eating the, the high on the hog and eating the fat of the lamb and the rams all the time, it gets a little hard to hand that stuff over and say, God, I want you in the pulpit. Let me out of that thing. Talk, God. Because God will start telling some people to start messing your job up. They don't teach that in preacher school, by the way. And if they do, it's so they won't let it happen. Herod gathered all the chief priests and scribes people together and demanded of them where Jesus should be born. Where's he at, church? So we got people coming from a pagan country, a heathen country, coming to the people of God and saying, where's he at? And they can't tell them. And now we got an evil king asking the people of God, where's he at? Mind you, since the book of Genesis, these people have been going to church every week, once a week, and guess what they've been talking about? The Messiah's coming. And he's been here for two years and they don't even know it. So for two years, they're getting in pulpits saying, Messiah's coming someday and he's right on the other side of town. But what were they doing for two years then? They didn't have a clue what Jesus was doing or where He was at, but that didn't stop them from having church. They didn't have a clue where Jesus was or what He was doing, but that didn't stop them from collecting everybody's tithes. Thank you very much. Hello? They're still getting in pulpits talking about He's coming and He's already there. They had no clue what time it was. Jesus said later, you have missed your visitation. You have missed the time of your visitation. That means that visitation ain't open-ended. That means it's got a beginning and it's got an ending. The opportunity to serve God has a beginning and it has an ending. We stand in front of the throne. It's too late. And I got news for you. It ain't just old people that are going to stand in front of the throne of God. There are tombstones and cemeteries in every city that have the ages five years old, eight years old, nine years old, 12 years old. And they're dead. And their day is done. And it wasn't fair. No, it's not fair. But it's what happened. The beginning of our visitation comes when we are aware God is real and I need to do something about that. And I'm just going to ask you right now, have you done something about that? That seems a silly thing to ask in church, don't it? No, it ain't. Because once you start with God, it don't end there. 
This idea, I say my prayer in the back of the line at vacation Bible school, and then I go about my way and live any old way I want to, and I'm going to be all right with Jesus when I see him in heaven. That ain't no Bible. There ain't no Bible for that. God said, to whom much is given, you ready for this? Much is required. So if God's done a lot for me, I need to try to figure out how to do a lot for him. That's simple. So when I ask today, what have you done with your visitation? I'm not asking, have you acknowledged it? Clearly you have. But what are you doing with the rest of it? I don't know. That'd be great, and I hope that everybody's doing everything you can do with the rest of it. And you say, well, what is the rest of it? I don't know. What is he telling you to do? He ain't told me to tell you what to do. That ain't my job. He'll tell you. He'll have you doing things you're uncomfortable doing, like Damon said. Damon said, I'd rather be by myself and not talk for five years. True. But here I am. God's got me talking to people. I don't want to be trying to do all that. And yet, guess what God's got him doing? Doing all that. So what are you doing with your visitation? He calls the church together. And look at this. Look at this, man. And they said... He's going to be born in Bethlehem of Judea. For thus it is written, Bethlehem, you're going to have the governor. So see, look, they knew where, but they didn't know when. The wise men from the east knew when, but they didn't know where. Does the church today know what time it is? I'm going to help you with that. It is 11.59. You say, I've been hearing that for years. So what? I don't care if you're 500 years old. The length of time you have on this earth ain't nothing but a scratch in that wooden floor compared to all the rest of the grains of wood in this thing. And it's like this in the eyes of God. But it's 11.59. Then Herod gets rid of the church because he, he realizes, well, they know all the Bible stuff, but they don't know him. Oh, man, they, they, they probably didn't even look in the scroll. They probably quoted it, book, chapter, verse. They didn't even have to read it because they got it memorized. They got all this head knowledge, but they ain't got an ounce of heart knowledge. Look, don't be ashamed if you can't quote chapters, books, and verses like that. Don't be ashamed of that. Try your best to learn how to do that, and that'd be good. But don't be ashamed of that. What you need to make sure of is you've got heart knowledge of who God is. You know how you get heart knowledge? You have daily conversations with Him. You pick that book up and read a little bit every day. And you acknowledge God in all your ways. Heart knowledge. Herod called the church because he knew they had the head knowledge. And then when he realized he didn't have the heart knowledge, he sent them home. Okay, thanks. And I guarantee they left. We got called in by the king. And the whole time, the wise men are watching him leave thinking, she don't even know who the king is. I know who the king is, and that wasn't it. Right, yes. Uh-huh. That is sad. They're going to be watching We got to, the church has got to stop being intimidated by presidents, mm -hmm. by senators, yes. Yes. by congressmen, by councilmen, by aldermen. So what? Mm -hmm. right. I know the king. Mm -hmm. 
And my God reigns. Yes. Yes. Well, I don't care if they'll never know my name. He does. Yes. That's right. Yes. But more you want. What more could you ask for? God knows my name. And he didn't stop there. That wasn't all he wanted to know because my Bible says he knows the very number of the hairs on my head. And that wasn't enough. He wanted to know me better because my Bible says if I tried to count the number of times he thinks about me in one day, they would be more than all the grains of the sand on the beach in all the world. Amen. Don't tell me I ain't important. That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Herod gets rid of the Bible people. Man, I don't like saying that, but it's true. He got rid of the Bible thumpers. <laughs> yeah. uh -huh. Then he calls the wise ones in. Wait a minute, dude. You're just with all the high priests and all the scribes. But but you got rid of them people that know all the Bible, and, but the ones you're calling in next are wise? You mean they work? The idiots just left and the wise men are coming in. Don't be intimidated by people that know that Bible backwards and forwards. Especially if you can't see the fruit of that Bible in their day-to-day -day life. Because if you don't see the fruit in their life, they just got head knowledge and no heart knowledge. If you got heart knowledge of God, you're going to have God's fruit in your life. And guess what that is? That's not souls. That's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and temperance. Against such there is no law. If they ain't got that, let them rattle on about their Bible. Tell them have a nice day and move on. Let the Bible people go and hang out with some wise men. Uh, I ain't ever preached a general conference. I just know it. <laughs> then Herod, when he privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time. Couldn't ask the church what time it was because they didn't know. An unbroken church ain't going to have a clue what time it is. It was business as usual. That's what time it is. It's synagogue time. That's what time it is. It's time for me to preach my sermon. That's what time it is. It's offering time. That's what time it is. It's Sunday night service time. That's what time it is. An unbroken church will never know what time it is. And they will miss their visitation. And he sent them to Bethlehem. See, now he can tell. Let me ask you this. Where was the star? They followed him for two years. They get all the way to Jerusalem. They get up the next day like, man, we're right there. This is the day we're going to get there. And wait, hold up. What happened to the star? Well, I'm just going to throw this one out there. Maybe even God was surprised that he's still. I mean, I gotta ask this question because, well, I just because I'm me. These Bible scholars that went to the king, 
They were so proud the king had called them and never stopped to think and said, wait a minute. Why is he asking that? Why does he want to know where? Because Herod is an evil, vile man. He's cruel and wicked. He don't care about God. And he certainly don't want another king on the throne. Why is he asking us where the king is? And none of them stopped and said, wait, maybe he's there. I guarantee some of them did. But see, if they would have acknowledged that, that would have meant, well, look, man, if he's really there, then that means I'm, I might lose my spot. Yeah. I might not get in the pulpit every Sunday if the king's here. I mean, if the king's here, that's definitely going to knock people down the totem pole. And I kind of like my spot. I like my status quo. I like the way religion is. I like the way we have church. And if the king's over there, he's liable to change everything. But God, in His mercy, gave Jerusalem another chance. And He's the one that had that idiot Herod, that vile man, call in the Bible scholars because God was like, look, guys, stop. Stop letting this just be an old, old story. Right. And let this thing come alive for you. This needs to be alive for you. God was trying to get this out of their head and into their heart. Yes. And He gave them one more chance. I can prove it. Herod sends him to Bethlehem, says, go search diligently for the young child, and when you found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Yeah, whatever. And when they heard the king, they departed. Look what happens. Up jumped the star. The star reappears. What a quink and ink. When they heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east, when, which they saw when they started out, went before them till it came and stood. Now I've heard of shooting stars. This is a walking star. Can you imagine? Whoa, there's a star again! Well, it's right here! No, it's moving! Oh, okay. Whoa! Every time I catch up with it, it moves. Whoa, this is pretty cool. We're going somewhere, everybody. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's the way it is in the church family. Yeah. Like this solemn assembly and, and the spirit of ashes and sackcloth, you know? There's times where God will, will, will make Himself known and, and sometimes you, you just got to follow it until you're right under it and then if it moves again, you just keep following it. And I don't know where this is going to go other than brokenness. Yeah. Till it came and stood. Went before them till it came. I can't get that picture out of my head, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. The star just keeps going. I keep walking, and then it stops. And it ain't over a palace. We just left the palace. It wasn't there. And it ain't over a big, it ain't over a building with a steeple. Man, this house, this is a carpenter. This dude's got a single wide trailer like Arliss and Kitty, man. <laughs> he got a heat pump. <laughs> For real. Wait. Okay, that starts you like it moving again. I know this can't be right. No? Okay. 
when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. See, that verse seems to be in the wrong place. You would think that verse would be in the middle of verse 9. That verse 9 would say, When they had heard the king, they departed, and lo, the star which is in the east went before them. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy, and it went before them till it came and stood. But it don't say it like that. So what it really means is, they didn't rejoice with exceeding great joy until the star stopped. We found him! Do you remember when you found him? I'm talking about when you just felt him. I'm not talking about when the preacher preached him and he felt real to you. I'm talking about when you got up from your chair and you went down to the altar and you said, God, if you can help me, help me. And you found him. I'm tired of losing him. That star ain't moving nowhere else, folks. It's right here. And we got to make sure we don't lose him. We got to make sure when we move into a bigger room because it gets full that we don't lose them. We got to make sure when we got more singers and we know what to do with it that we don't lose them. We got to make sure that when we got a choir and they sound awesome that we don't lose them. We got to make sure when we got enough people to have dramas and we pack the place out for Easter and Christmas and the church doubles and triples that we don't lose them. We got to make sure that when the money gets stupid money, we don't lose them. We got to make sure that we do not lose him. Yeah. It's been lost over and over and over and over and over and over. I'm not losing. I'm just telling you right now, I don't care. I don't care if my Honda breaks down and I drive a Chevette. I ain't losing him. That's right. I don't care if I lose my single white trailer and live in a shed. I ain't losing him. We're almost done. When they were coming to the house, not a manger, they saw the young child. I guess it's okay, you know, Jesus breaks whatnots. He probably just looked at him and said, Be you made whole or fixed. I don't know. It's a two-year-old Jesus. It's probably why they didn't write about it. It's too much to comprehend. Can you imagine a two-year-old Jesus? Can you imagine Jesus knocks his age, but he's Jesus? I mean, you go to put him in a bath and he stands on top of water and says, I don't want him. What are you going to do? <laughs> Feed him macaroni and cheese and says, I don't like him. Boom, makes it a steak. What are you going to do? <laughs> Two-year-old Jesus, man. He's running around in diapers. Two-year-old Savior. Terrible too. That's how terrible two is when he's gone. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what it was like when he was teething. <laughs> Childs with Mary, his mother. Look what they did, man. They didn't care he was a baby. They didn't care he was two. They didn't care he was in a diaper. They didn't care if he was teething. They didn't care. They fell down. And worshiped. Oh, I wish I wasn't the way I was. Do you know what's what the Bible word worship means? It means prostrate. 
also a lot of things that we, the modern church, has called worship don't even fit the Bible definition. Ugh. You know who falls down and worships Jesus? Somebody that's been looking for him for two years. You know who's going to turn our church upside down and wreck things? Crackhead that comes in here and has been looking for deliverance everywhere else and been told God don't do that no more and comes in here and gets delivered. He's going to run up and down these aisles. He's going to come up and lay on his face right here next to the pulpit while I'm preaching and saying, just do what you got to do because I'm doing what I got to do. And I know he'll do that because that's what I did. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. Yes. Well, let me ask you this. I just, and this is for you to know the answer. Have you yet done what you should since you found him again? I don't know. Maybe every one of us has. But some of us have been through some things when we lost him and didn't think we'd ever find him again. We lost the realness and we thought we'd never find it again. We lost what it felt like to be loved by people in our own church and we found it again. We lost what it would ever feel like to trust people in church again and we found it again. And I'm just asking you and telling you when I read this verse about some heathen men that didn't know a thing about God that looked for Him for two years and when they found Him, He's a baby in a house, probably a mess. And what they did when they walked in the door, that fancy robe didn't matter they had on, all the gold they brought with them didn't matter, that crown or whatever they wore didn't matter. They fell down and worshipped Him because they found Him. See, when they lost that star, man, they thought well, maybe we ain't going to find him again ever. Maybe we won't be able to pick up the trail again. And that star reappeared. And that's why they rejoiced like they did when they saw that star. Because yes. like, oh boy, I'm on the trail again. I know I'm headed in the right direction. And that's something to be excited about. But there comes a time in our recovery in the church, in our recovery in God, where we've got to get out of the mentality that I'm on the right track and then acknowledge, God, I have found you again. I might not be whole yet. I might not be as strong as I'm going to be yet, but I want to worship you because I found you again. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask you this. Are you holding anything back from him? Not from me. I'm not confused about who the king is. Are you holding anything back from him because you found him again? Ain't nobody in this room right now perfect, but there are people in here that will do whatever you need them to do in your life. And if they see you got a problem, I'm just telling you right now. They won't even ask you if you want help. They'll just show up with the help and you just have to deal with it and get over your pride. That's the kind of people that are in this room. But some of the people in this room that are that way, I'm asking you the same question. Because I don't know. But you and God do. Have you opened all the way up yet? Not to me. Not to me. Have you fell down? They didn't say they knelt. Kneeling is very dignified. Yes. You take your time. 
and you can even lay on the floor, but that ain't what that says. That says they were so happy to find him, they fell. Had no strength left in the legs. When you fall, you fall, Spud. You and God know the answer. Me and God know my answer. And I'm just going to tell you what my answer is. I'm getting there. And I'm also going to say it's your fault. You guys have drugged me and Kitty. And it may not have looked like it, but you drug us kicking and screaming. I'm just telling you, you have. It's your fault. Can I say I've fallen down? No, that's why I have to stand up open and say I'm going to be broken again. If I would have already fallen down, I'd be broken already. But I'm getting there. And I'm just going to challenge you to keep up. How's that? I'm going to challenge you to keep up. Fine. The child with Mary, his mother, fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures. Hey, hey, all eyes. Hey, hey, you know what yours are? You don't have gold. You don't have frankincense and you don't have myrrh. You know what your treasure is? You know what the treasure is that God wants you to open up? Here, here's what. It ain't your wallet. I'm that crazy guy. I won't tell you if I got a problem. I won't tell you if I got a financial need. I'll tell him. Your treasure is right here. And that's the hardest treasure to open. Because you closed it. Because if you hadn't of, you wouldn't have survived. You had to close it to continue. And I don't belittle or minimize the price you were paid to walk in here. Some of you were prayer requests for months before I ever saw your face. Uh -huh. I won't mention any names, but his initials of Travis is one. Right. <laughs> Amen. Travis was a prayer request for months before I ever even knew what he looked like. And you know what? That's okay. Yes. Uh -huh. I'm going to tell you something else okay too. When somebody comes in here and sits and watches for weeks on end, I don't mind me none. Right. You sit still as long as you can, big boy. I want to watch how long you can hold out. <laughs> you make your way at your pace. As long as you make sure your pace ain't no slower than His pace. Because there is an hour of visitation. It has a beginning and it has an ending. I know the price. Some of you have shared with me the price that you have paid to even walk into a service here. That is a treasure to me. I defend that, and I will. You let somebody come in here wanting to have church as usual. That ain't going to work. You let somebody come in here 
and even act like they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. You won't see them next week. No. You'll either see them pray through or pray gone. Yep. So I'm asking you this because it is almost the end of this year and I'm going to a place called Broken next year. And I do not intend to take the whole 12 months to get there because I'm surrounded by people that will die lost if I take too long to get there because I cannot help them if I'm not broken. So that's why I'm asking you right now, have you opened your treasure? Have you fallen down? And have you opened your treasure? If you have not, I beg you to. Not for me. For him. And for them. I make you this promise. When you do, I got your back. I miss meals for you. I pray for you. And like Jimmy alluded to, some of those prayers ain't pretty. But they're effective. Amen. They turn people from prayer requests to being in the family. That's right. And I'm glad for it. But I will defend you. There will be nobody coming in here. Long tongue Susie ain't going to stick around long or she's going to have the tongue healed. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Do you know what time it is for you? Not the world, you. Have you fallen down? Have you opened your treasure? If you have not, I give you opportunity today to do that very thing. This is not a promise to the church. This ain't a promise to me. I'm not going to be following along after you if you do this and just watching and say, well, I thought you, my dad is not my job. You have one that follows you around. And he's good at it. Thank you, Lord. So today, you want to open that treasure up and just say, God, here it is. I'm going to invite you to come and you can bring a chair. Grab one of these chairs up front right here. I'm going to invite you to come today and bring your treasure to Jesus today.
Uh, I need uh, at least two ladies, please. One come over here with Kitty and one come with Teresa. And I need a brother to come up here with Spud. None of us know the cost of opening that treasure back up again. So let's pray for him today. Father, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, mighty God. I thank you, God, for the visitation. I thank you, Lord. Lord, that in each one of us here today, Lord, there was a time where that star had disappeared. There was no clear direction, God. And there was a time for every one of us where it seemed like we would never have that direction again. But Lord, then you gave us direction, God. And Lord, we have we followed it, God. We've been here. We've been in service, Lord. And we thank you for that, God. But Lord, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, to bless Kitty, bless Teresa, yes, bless Lord. Nathan today, yes, Father. Lord. And Lord, that treasure that they lift up to you today, God, Lord, they lift it up with trembling hands today, Father. It's not lifted up in boldness, God. It's lifted up with trembling, Lord, and probably a little concern, God, because the last time they closed it, they almost died, Father. So today, God, we, as their church family, we have a responsibility. We have a responsibility to protect them, God. We have a responsibility to encourage them, God. We have a responsibility to value their heart, Lord, and to let them make their way to you, Father. And Lord, we need to know, God. We need to know what time it is, Lord. Let us don't get so busy having church, Father, that we don't even know you're not here, Lord. Let us be a church, a broken church, God. Not broken as in depressed. Not broken as in discouraged. But a church that is broken, God. Broken of pride, Father. Broken of our own ambition, God. Broken of selfish motivations, God. Broken of putting ourselves before other people, God. Lord, we've got to be broken, Father. Lord, let our hearts be hard of flesh again, Lord God. Lord, remove the hearts of stone, Father. And let our hearts be broken again, God. Let them be tender again, Lord. Here we are, God. Here we are. God just said, if you quit doing the things that you can quit doing, and you know what they are, then he'll take care of the things you can't do. You hear me, Nathan? God just made a promise to you. If you'll stop doing the things that ain't right, then you know you can stop doing it. God will help you with the things that are too hard for you. In the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, I pray for clarification. I pray, God, there will be no question in his mind what the things are that he can do. 
And Father, when he does those things, that you would do the things that he cannot do, God. And Lord, if you will not do the things he can do, I pray constant conviction. I pray no rest, no peace, God. I pray discomfort until he does, Father. I plead the blood of Jesus over him, and I rebuke the enemy of his soul in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the name amen, of Jesus. Amen. That treasure box wide open. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's me, Lord. It's me, Lord. Here I am again, God. Oh, I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Lord. I thank you, Father. He is well pleased. He is well pleased. He is well pleased. He is well pleased. He is and I thank you for the people in this church who love her, Father. That have loved her and have her healed. Mine too, God. Thank you, Lord, that they are our church. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Our God brings Our God brings Our God brings Our God brings My God brings My God brings My God brings, my God brings, oh my God brings, my God brings, my God brings.
Lori, I'm supposed to tell you God is talking to your abbey. Hear me? Look, look at me. Look. God is talking to your abbey. I don't know when, but she's going to listen. say this before we dismiss. You know who's got her back? We. Amen. Amen. That's right. You know who's got this lady up here? You know who's got her back? We. That's right. Do. Amen. We got each other's backs. Lord, I thank You, Father, for Your Word. I thank You for Your people. I thank You, Lord, for touching Travis's body. I ask You, Lord, to be with him on the job tomorrow. You would give him the strength he needs. You would take the last bit of that cough away, Father. I ask You, God, to be with Your people this week, Lord. And when there are people in our cities this week that are looking all over for you, yes. and they've realized that you're not in all the places they expected you to be, let them run across one of us. Yes. Let it happen in Walmart or Dollar Tree at the gas station. It don't matter. But let them find you when they find us, God. Ask you, Lord, to keep your hand upon your people all week long until we come together again. Ask it all for your glory. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. All right, God bless you. You're dismissed from the service, but not his presence. In Jesus' name. That's right.